You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. A speaker has not been elected. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again. They've laughed and they've chuckled and they've pointed fingers at us. They want us to fight each other. That much has been made clear by the popcorn and blankets and alcohol that is coming Bloomberg off. Bloomberg of Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top name. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. 212? 212? 212? 212? 212? 212? And today, 212. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Oh, nine rounds and still no speaker. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we follow one of the slowest moving sagas in modern politics. Kevin McCarthy is still stuck even after making more concessions to the opposition inside his own party. Will Republicans make a deal with Democrats on a unity candidate? We talk about it with former New York Congressman Joe Crowley, who served in the Democratic leadership for his behind-the-scenes view. And with our panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are here for the hour as things unfold live on the floor. Later, our conversation with Bloomberg Businessweek columnist Josh Green on the secret to Ron DeSantis' success. It's probably not what you think. It's been another long day in the U.S. House where Kevin McCarthy has now endured nine rounds of voting on to ten. And still not a break in his quest to be speaker. No member elect having received the majority of the votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. That's the House clerk, Cheryl Johnson, who we should be naming, right? Cheryl Johnson should be a household name by now. She runs the joint until a speaker is named and party leadership makes rules and, you know, controls the floor. But right now it's her. And very little has changed since this time yesterday. If you're Kevin McCarthy, he's averaged 200 votes on each round, give or take a couple, uh, even as the names have changed around him. Today, Congressman Byron Donalds was still in the mix, along with a former president. The Honorable Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received one. One. (laughs) He got all of one vote after being nominated by Congressman Matt Gates. The other name added today, Congressman Kevin Hearn, of Oklahoma was nominated by Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. I believe that Kevin Hearn is a unifier. He just received the chairman of the Republican Study Committee by unanimous consent. This is the largest caucus in our conference. Look how many people have already put their trust in Kevin Hearn to lead them. Well, 
he got three votes. Still two more than Trump. But a far cry from what is needed here, obviously bringing us to the question that we started asking this week, if not Kevin, who is there such a thing as a unity candidate? We'll talk about that ahead with former Congressman Joe Crowley. But let's get up to date on the action here in the House. Jack Fitzpatrick is back. Bloomberg government's Congress reporter and a friend here at Sound On. Uh, Jack, looks like we're we're going for 10 rounds here. This could feasibly go all night, right? Are you hearing talk of an adjournment or a deal? Where are we? I, it's been a lot of confusion about the timing of votes. Uh, when I've asked around, uh, actually just this afternoon, Patrick McHenry, who's uh, a pro-Kevin McCarthy ally, said, you know, it's, it's one thing to hold the votes, but the actual action is in the behind-closed-doors meetings to see if they can come together. Um, it can be difficult, though, to agree to hold that adjournment vote if one of these sides thinks there's something to blame by uh, continuing to make this sort of a public spectacle. So I, I've, I've heard a lot of confusion and almost really just gotten a, a shrug of the shoulders in terms of how long they're going to go with votes, because that may be the sideshow. I don't know if it's the clown show or the sideshow, but the real show in terms of when this ends is not the votes, but the meetings that we aren't involved yes. in that are behind closed doors. Yeah, our, our colleague Eric Wasson on the Hill tweeted a little while ago, uh, Jack, that Tom Emmer is hosting talks between dissidents and moderates as the vote goes on. Is this sort of where the action is happening right now? Is that going on as we speak? Yeah, people like Tom Emmer and other McCarthy allies who are taking the lead in going in largely at, at times one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. Sometimes there will be small groups of people entering into meeting rooms, um, but trying to figure out which of these demands are something they can actually uh, meet in the middle on or negotiate on and which other ones, uh, more like getting certain people on certain committees, are, are just totally unacceptable to uh, certain more moderate members. But the conversations about basically how do you tweak the, the House rules, what do you want on fiscal policy, those are the discussions that a lot of members are saying are more productive uh, rather than public statements coming out, public voting and that kind of thing. This is really something. I mean, it sure seems like even if Kevin McCarthy succeeds in splitting up this group of 20, these 20 no votes, you're still going to have that hardcore five or six Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert uh, problem. And, and unless he's allowing them, I guess, to become speaker themselves, I'm just not sure. Uh, Jack, what can he offer at this point? You know, there are probably a few other things that he hasn't offered that could offer. When I've asked around, for example, Scott Perry brought up a couple things that they hadn't gotten yet. There's a, a border security proposal by members from Texas yeah. uh, that McCarthy had turned down, guaranteeing a vote on that. They want votes on individual earmarks in spending bills hmm. and a two-thirds supermajority threshold to approve them, even though about three-quarters of the House Republican Conference voted internally to keep the earmark system. So, they, you know, there's a debate still left to be had on House rules. Uh, he hasn't given them absolutely everything, but you're very right that, that the issue of uh, whether it's five members or it gets down to one who can demand at any time a vote on whether the Speaker stays in power really would limit the effectiveness and the power of the speaker. And that's the big area where he has conceded a lot. Does it get to the point where he starts to lose moderates as he tries to please conservatives? 
the the one main area where the answer to that is yes uh, as i've talked to members of the appropriations committee who have said look we can have a conversation about the house rules but the demands that freedom caucus members have made privately so we don't know all the details about trying to get a certain number of their members onto appropriations or onto the rules committee or something along those lines is where they really say, no, absolutely not. Uh, there's a member from Maryland, Andy Harris, uh, who's a, a bit of a, a bomb thrower. They want him to be in charge of the largest domestic spending bill. Um, the Republican appropriators who are aligned with McCarthy have said, if you give ground on that, we have a real problem. That is their red line. You think Donald Trump's disappointed he only got one vote? <laughs> I, I think, it, it, you know, it's interesting to see how many different routes they take and how <laughs> Byron Donalds got pulled into it after having yeah. supported McCarthy. Kevin <laughs> Hearn was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I, you may see other names. At this point, they're kind of winging it, which McCarthy allies say is a good thing because there's not yeah, yeah. Uh, a consensus challenger. Well, how has the name Steve Scalise not come out yet? I still don't get this. I think if you want to make a show of getting rid of Kevin McCarthy, you probably don't go to his second in command. Uh, Scalise is not going to come out and challenge him, clearly. And if you're an absolutely never Kevin voter, I, I, I don't know if it's enough if you're trying to make a show of rejecting current leadership to yeah, go with another just get the same of thing. leadership. Unbelievable. Hang in there, Jack. It's great to have you. Jack Fitzpatrick with us working as we speak on Capitol Hill, as we turn to our panel, I've had to wait all day, and I had the benefit over the course of this week to hear from Rick and Jeannie during Balance of Power every day. I missed you guys. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis, we will pull you back in eventually, and we do it right now as we move on to 10 rounds. Rick, do you feel any differently about this today than you did yesterday following an all-night bargaining session? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I think maybe not after the all night bargaining session. That doesn't sound like it made the kind of progress, and certainly no evidence of it in the last you know couple of rounds. But mm -hmm. uh, recently, uh, at least the reporting is pretty positive in the sense that you know these these meetings going on in you know Congressman Emmer's office off the floor, yes, uh, you know, with some of the leaders of the Freedom Caucus have actually started to sound. Positive. I mean, they started out downright awful. Right? I'm not going to negotiate in public. We've been thrown under the bus. I mean, all these kinds of things were said at the start of the day. And you thought, wow, we're going backwards, not forwards. But I wouldn't be surprised to see some movement in this current vote that's that's happening right now. Uh, hmm. It certainly started out strong, you know, with Congressman Siskamani from Arizona's uh, nomination speech uh, to uh, for Kevin McCarthy is probably the best one, I think, of, of the whole week. And uh, and and it just seems like there's a different atmosphere where there might be some progress. How about that? Is there any particular issue uh, that made you feel that way, or this is the gut check from Rick Davis? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, as Jack was saying, I mean, there's a laundry list of stuff that uh, various people want. No, there's no one list that uh, everybody would buy into. Um, but I think they've done a good job of segmenting the five or six people who are never going to vote for Kevin McCarthy, right? And mm -hmm. that could be a deal killer. Um, uh, under normal circumstances. But if they can get the balance of them, the, the 10 or 12 that are still hanging out there, um, you know, then they can do something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, trigger the plurality option mm -hmm. or go cut a deal with the Democrats at that stage. Right. I mean, like now you're starting to see a pathway to Kevin actually getting there. And so 
Um, I think the isolation of these six uh, 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 Mavericks, the six uh, uh, bomb throwers, are, yeah. are, are a good strategy, and they seem to be implementing that. Isolation is the strategy. We're voting right now just to keep you posted. Live sound from the House floor as we now go through the 10th round, and it's not lost on us, Jeannie Shanzano, that it was 100 years ago, 1923. The last time this went beyond one ballot, they went to nine. So we are now in at least the last century's worth in uncharted territory. That's right. And it is quite a claim that Kevin McCarthy can make. And my dear friend Rick Davis is feeling optimistic, and that's making me feel good. But boy, I do not see it. You know, if you look at this, this is going in the wrong direction for Kevin McCarthy. He has made deep concessions, and he has not seen movement in his direction. Now, will we end up with a speaker? Absolutely. But it's hard to imagine how they end up with Kevin McCarthy at this point, unless they can work with Democrats to do something across the aisle. And that doesn't seem to be in the offing either. They can't even get off this floor and go behind the scenes, adjourn, and make it, you know, have a concerted discussion. So there he sits beaming while people nominate him and he loses vote after vote after vote so I, you know it is a fraught time for kevin McCarthy. i still ask though if it's not kevin if that's the question right who then who he's got over 200 votes he, i guess he topped out at 202 in the first round but it's been pretty consistently uh 200 votes for this this series of nine now going on to 10 nobody else can come close to this genie donald trump got one vote today for crying out loud i know and in comparison kevin mccarthy's got a feel pretty good right i'm guessing <laughs> yeah and 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 you're right because that's the question if not kevin who and that is what kevin mccarthy has been saying and the reality is is they've either got to go to a different vote so they've got to get to that plurality that we've talked about before the civil war that was the last time that happened or they've got to turn to somebody else maybe a steve scalise or somebody else who is not you know on this list of we want his head and we will keep voting until we get it and beyond that you're hard-pressed to imagine another option would be to strike a deal with the democrats get some kind of consensus candidate we talked about this yesterday they just did this in pennsylvania but maybe it can be done but of course pennsylvania is a sort of at this point a much more shall we say civil place than washington dc is you know you want to be in harrisburg if you're in the legislature at this point boy i don't know it some sort of does look a little bit fun here rick have we learned anything uh, by this unusual view, this rare view that we're getting of, of the mechanism actually working here because C-SPAN is running the cameras? Yeah, I have actually really uh, uh, tried to steal time out of my day to watch the C-SPAN coverage because it's not often one that all the members are standing around the floor, right? That's quite unusual. And that was picked up by a number of the, the speakers for uh, the non, or the Republican speakers for the non um uh, McCarthy nominations throughout the day that, yeah. um, hey, this is great having everybody on the floor. This is how we ought to conduct business. I mean, it's kind of collegial. Uh, and, and so uh, there is kind of an atmosphere that could be uh, permeating the future, right? Why, well, why aren't we doing this in regular order, right? I mean, that's yes. one of the demands of the the renegades was to have regular order. Well, you're supposed to have regular order anyway, and, and, and people are supposed to be there on the floor doing the business of the government. So um, I, I think this might actually be, I mean, again, I, I, Jeannie's going to criticize me for being an optimist, but I think when all of this is said and done, maybe there is a better uh, and more collegial House of Representatives than we've seen for the last few decades. 
or it could be, you know, just massive uh, dysfunction based on new enemies that are apparently being made as we speak, Jeannie. That's right. And boy, if this is a better way to do business, I don't know. I Look don't. at by January 13th, no rules in place. Committee staffers can't get paid. There's no constituent service going on. Imagine you are elected to Congress. You don't even have an email address, for gosh sakes. You're sitting on the floor. One of these 434 people will likely have to leave to say, attend a child's baseball game or something. And yeah. they're just going to keep voting. I mean, this is the height of insanity the president is right it is an embarrassment they are being held hostage by a group of people this is no way to run the government i too believe in regular order i don't believe in jamming through a 1.7 trillion dollar package that nobody can read some of the demands make sense but you've got to choose a speaker the constitution demands it and it shouldn't take three days like this or you know more it could like be it's a lot take. more we'll see uh rick Jeannie put her finger on something important the, the next uh, payday uh, would be the 13th, Friday the 13th, uh, for these staffers uh, who are not getting paid until this is resolved. Is that like a tacit deadline or do you think it's handled before then? Uh, uh, look, I mean, I think actually, I, I hate to say it, but probably what will be driving uh, members uh, to, to add a little bit of extra pressure to the proceedings is that they want to go home on the weekend, right? If the, mm-hmm. if the staff get paid, great. I mean, like, they're always worried about their staff, I'm sure. Um, but uh, the reality is they don't want to spend the weekend in Washington, at, which, is, which is understandable. Who wants to be in Washington uh, in a winter evening so uh, or win- winter weekend? You're here. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with us at last. On the fastest hour in politics, we're going to... Add Joe Crowley to the conversation coming up next. The former New York congressman, member of the leadership with What Is Going On. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Could Democrats still help to solve the situation with the Speaker of the House, or are they just having too much fun watching? It's a very real question we're going to talk about next with former Congressman Joe Crowley. Yesterday, we heard from Congressman Brad Sherman. Remember on his idea of potential deal on the debt ceiling, if not a continuing resolution that would keep the government running in the event of a shutdown. Different idea today from Mick Mulvaney, who I spoke with on Balance of Power. Of course, the former acting chief of staff of the White House, Trump administration, former congressman, former Freedom co-founder of the Freedom Caucus. Here's how he'd play it. And say, look, we've got 20 or 25 Republicans. Um, we offer you a, a compromise candidate. I've, I've used Fred Upton's name. Fred's a friend of mine. He's a moderate Republican. He doesn't mind me doing this. And say, look, <laughs> we, we want Fred as speaker. Yeah. You guys all vote for Fred. And what we'll do in return is we promise no investigations. There's no subpoenas. Mm. Uh, we'll do legislation, but no investigations. That'd be a huge win for the Democrats and a reason for them to support a coalition candidate. A coalition candidate, a unity candidate. Is there such thing? Poor Fred Upton, his name keeps coming up here, but let's start there with Joe Crowley, the former New York congressman and former chair of the Democratic caucus. He's been parts a part of days like these, but Joe, by now you would have had the family photo, right? You would have had a couple of, <laughs> I mean, I don't, can you imagine sitting through this now for going on, what, three days and still there's yeah. no Congress and there's, there's no House of Representatives to speak of. How much longer do you see this? Yeah, no, it is. It, it's it's mind-boggling in many respects. I think, uh, you know, having gone through quite a few of those myself, it's it's supposed to be a joyous day for your families to see you sworn in. Uh, you know, for Kevin, for Kevin McCarthy, it's been a nightmare. And it's really hard to say how long it will go on for. Um, I do think the likelihood of, of some kind of consensus candidate between Democrats and Republicans is, is pretty far-fetched. I just don't see Republicans giving that up, up after having, you know, won the election, basically, for the House. Um, as much as I admire Fred Upton, I think he's a good guy. It's interesting coming from Mick Mulvaney, of all people, suggesting that. Uh, I'm friendly with Mick, but I'm very surprised that he, he would come up with that kind of solution. Um, so it really, I think, will have to come forth in the Republican conference itself. Um, whether Kevin McCarthy is that person is the, is the real question here. Mm. Well, that's right. And then, you know, my goodness, he's he's holding on to 200 votes. You know how powerful that is. He's almost there. Mm-hmm. You know, if he if if he strips away uh, 18 more, he's he's home free. It doesn't seem like that's yep. about to happen. But there are also reports, Joe, of a deal at hand. Tom Emmer's office has apparently mm-hmm. been very busy. Our own Eric Wasson uh, is is tweeting now that dissidents in the secret meeting are increasingly close lipped. And usually that means a deal is close. Do you think he's right? It's possible. I know Patrick McHenry, who I'm friendly with as well. I haven't spoken to him, uh, but I know that he's been involved in some of these negotiations as well. I, I've noticed he's not been on the floor except to vote. Uh, so it's very possible that uh, he's heading up some of those negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, it would sound reasonable to me uh, that at some point there may be some movement. But what really strikes me is that you have a, a number of folks here. Uh, Bobart, uh, for instance, who I think she will not be for McCarthy under any circumstances. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there, there's a few of them that are out there, but I just don't, you know, Perry and others who I just don't see moving under any circumstances. And, you know, um, they seem to be somewhat principled on this, too, uh, although we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I want to ask you about uh, the other leader in the room. It's your friend, Hakeem Jeffries. 
Now through yeah. nine rounds, or I think at that point, I don't know if it was eight, when Congresswoman Catherine Clark of Massachusetts, of course, part of the uh, the leadership herself, stood up to put his name back into nomination, <laughs> made very careful note of the clear trend uh, that he has had with votes on his side. Listen. 212, 212, 212, 212, 212. 212, and today, yeah, 212. There it is. Okay, Has- they love it. Big round of applause. Joe Kelly, obviously, Democrats are enjoying this, and it's been fun for them to continue uh, to vote unanimously for Hakeem Jeffries. But is this galvanizing uh, his power, even in the minority, in a way that might not have happened otherwise? I think what it is doing, in some respects, uh, you, you see the way in which Hakeem has, has, has handled this. Very classy fellow. You know, he's not bodacious, um, and he's, he's very humble in many respects. And I think that this has is certainly inured to his benefit in terms of name recognition, the face uh, for the American people. You know, we've, I've known him, we've known him in New York for so many years, but uh, he is he's quite the talent and I think that this certainly has been an opportunity to see the unity of the Democratic Caucus uh, behind, behind, behind Hakeem has been you know, nothing short but just remarkable and, and, and solid, it's incredibly solid. Do Americans care about this or is this uh, just for the navel gazing in Washington? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a good question. I, I did note the other day um, that it wasn't the headline on the nightly news, at least the one I was watching. You know, um, it was about uh, the young fellow in, in, in the NFL who's been who was injured. And, um, you know, it took a while to get around to this. I do think it matters. Um, but as in terms of an interest, um, you know, the markets care. I think uh, people who are political junkies care. People certainly within the beltway. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, are, there are a number of people who care. They, they should care because this is it's critical to the foundation of our republic. Uh, that we have a, a working legislative branch. Yeah. Uh, and, and right clearly right now, it is not working. If you were still the Democratic caucus chair, what would you be doing right now? Are you just sitting next to Hakeem laughing at this, or would you be digging into some deal-making? Well, I think, you know, there'd be a little bit of snarky going, snarking going on uh, behind the scenes. There's no question. I think the days of eating popcorn on the floor are probably over because uh, people realize the damage that's being done to the institution. Um, I would be talking to folks to see just what the sense of what's out there is um, and maybe t- kind of toying with the notion or idea of a consensus candidate that, you know, people that Democrats could get behind in terms of. I think it's I think it's highly unlikely, but that's how you get information. You, you, you know, by, by, by throwing those things out there, you, you kind of gone or where things are at with the Republican side. So you, you have some feelers out there to get a sense of where things are going. It's interesting you mentioned the popcorn. Uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamak, who you probably know well, brought this up yesterday and was booed on the floor. They want us divided. They want us to fight each other. That much has been made clear by the popcorn and blankets and alcohol that is coming over there. Yeah, okay. So a lot of people were outraged by that. Uh, out of order. She was booed. The house Joe Crowley, what goes on uh, on nights like the lawless nights like these in the House? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the notion or idea of alcohol uh, on the floor is ridiculous. Uh, that that does not happen. You know, I, I, look, I can't speak to people who may have a flask in their pocket, you know, but, um, 
you know, that just is not acceptable. And quite frankly, eating on the floor is not acceptable. I think it was really more for prop um, and for, 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 you know, for kicks and giggles. Yeah. But, um, you know, really beyond that um, and, and the show of that, I think we're beyond that now. Because I think, you know, people are beginning to realize, again, as I said, the damage that's being done in terms of the institution. I, I know that Americans don't hold it very dear. Those of us who had the opportunity to serve there, and for me it was 20 years, mm. I care very much about the Congress and and, and the respect that it, it should demand and command, I should say, not demand, command from the American people. And this is not doing anything to endear the Congress more to the American people. In fact, it's pushing it further away. Well, we can tell our listeners, uh, Congressman, that uh, Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes here for the 10th round. It looks like we're going to 11 unless they find a way to adjourn. Is the Democratic strategy right now just to keep this going as long as possible, knowing that eventually there'll be a Republican deal? Yeah, I think that is true. I think, um, you know, what it really is showing and demonstrating is the dysfunctionality of the Republican conference. When you think that tomorrow is is, is, is the end of second anniversary of January 6th, yeah. you now have members of the Republican conference uh, who actually supported uh, that event, who supported the insurrection, who are now uh, elected members, uh, members elect to the House. I don't think this is a visual that the Republicans really want, but it seems it's one they're going to get now. No, maybe they'll have a deal on January 6th and uh, give us another reason to remember that day. Uh, it's great to have you back. Joe Crowley, former New York congressman and Democratic caucus chair with The View Inside. Uh, as far as Fred Upton is concerned, by the way, the, this this potential unity candidate that Mick Volvaney floated today has the distinction of being the only congressman in history, the only member of Congress in history, to vote to impeach two presidents, Bill Clinton in 1998 and, yes, Donald Trump in 2021. He was one of only 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. Imagine that being accepted by the Republican Party in the House. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So 10 rounds now, number 10 in no speaker. We are watching so you don't have to. You can hear it now as the House prepares, it seems, for the 11th ballot. We have to still codify the 10th. And so it's pretty unclear what what's going to happen next. And we'll let you know. As we turn to Bloomberg Business Week's Big Take today. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a protector. So the God chosen one, made a fighter, a fighter, Ron DeSantis. God Remember the God ad somebody willing to get up with apologies to the late Paul Harvey. The headline on Joshua Green's very good big take column. You need to go see it. Secret to DeSantis success is ignore Trump and attack business. Josh, it's great to have you here and a great read. It's worth your time on the terminal as we spend so much time talking about culture wars, something that. Ron DeSantis has really specialized in. He's managed to turn that against corporate America in a way that no modern politician has been able to do. It's really made him very different than Donald Trump, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, DeSantis has been a hot name in Republican circles for for a while. But I think the thing that really has distinguished him and separated him from a lot of the other Republican presidential hopefuls is that he's figured out how to carve out a profile for himself that isn't reliant on Donald Trump. And I went down to Florida, traveled with him for his reelection campaign. 
and came away at the the real key to his having done that is to attack this idea of corporate wokeness, to attack companies like Disney uh, for having what he claims are uh, perfidious liberal social goals. And it turns out that that's something that has really resonated with a lot of Republican voters to the extent that uh, DeSantis is now leading in some polls for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. And Ignoring Trump has been a big part of this as well, even though he's been tried to the media constantly tries to pull him into this conversation. Remember when Donald Trump called him Ron DeSanctimonious uh, and he had this response. This was following the midterms and the lack of a red wave. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. And that said a lot at the time. Does he fear Donald Trump? He hasn't behaved like somebody who fears Donald Trump, and that's no. a rarity uh, among Republicans because so many of them do. And the lesson that Trump really kind of imposed by force over his four or five years in the spotlight was that if you want to be a Republican in good standing, uh, you need to bow and scrape and genuflect to Trump. And that's something that DeSantis has refused uh, to do. And he's he's managed to win in spite of that. So. Uh, he hasn't given any sign of being afraid, but of course, you know, yeah. Trump is, is is already declared presidential candidate. So if DeSantis right. does want the Republican nomination, he's going to have to get up there on a stage with Donald Trump, uh, and and that's a whole different matter. Well, that's a that's a great point. I mean, is he is he prepared to primary Donald Trump, or is he uh, just realizing that time is on his side? I mean, he's making a brand for himself. My goodness, they made a, car, a, a commercial for him, turned him into Top Gun. He's in a fighter jet. He's chosen by God. It does sound like somebody who's certainly leaving open the opportunity for 24. But, you know, why not wait till 2028? He could own the field, right? Well, a couple of reasons. I mean, one, the, the, the broad expectation in Washington is that DeSantis is going to get in the race. But the fact that he won so dramatically, I mean, he just won a landslide victory in, in November, including bringing in independents and Democrats, buys him time to not have to get pressured into the race by Trump. The case against waiting until 2028 is that if you wait too long, you know, your time passes. You know, we saw that with candidates like Chris Christie. Uh, on the other hand, you saw candidates like Barack Obama, rather than wait four years, eight years, 12 years, jump right in, wind up getting elected president. So there's a real risk in politics. that If you don't move while you're hot, uh, you know, the circus moves on to somebody else. And by the time you decide to get in the race, it's, it's sort of too late for your moment. But I think DeSantis is in a great position for two reasons. One, uh, Republicans outside of Florida did really, really badly, uh, especially the candidates Trump endorsed. So I think that's enhanced his aura. And the other one, of course, is that uh, Republicans in, in Washington right now are a clown show who can't even manage to elect a speaker. And I think that adds more appeal to somebody like DeSantis, who hmm. is clearly a talented chief executive and is running the state of Florida pretty well. Check out the column. Subscribe to The Big Take. Secret to DeSantis success is ignore Trump and attack business. Josh Green, it's great to have you. We should do this a lot more often. I really appreciate the conversation as we bring the panel in on this. Uh, because I'll tell you what, Donald Trump has not done himself any favors with this whole situation in the House. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are back here. Rick, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Donald Trump telling everybody to get behind Kevin McCarthy didn't change a single mind. That's got to be something that Ron DeSantis is well aware of. Oh, for sure. I mean, DeSantis has watched the uh, the, the crumbling of the uh, Trump presidential candidate candidacy in its infancy. Uh, for the last quarter of last year and going into this year, it just seems to be getting worse and worse. And of course, he has all these 
uh, prosecutions looming over him. So it, it's, it doesn't pretend to be any better in the first quarter of this year than it was mm-hmm. the last four quarters of last year as far as it goes for Trump. And so uh, I do think um, um, Josh nailed it. I mean, you know, this is a guy who is super smart, young, uh, has nothing but a stellar future ahead of him. Uh, and he's coming out of one of the key states in the country for national politics within the Republican Party. So uh, it's a it's a pretty, pretty good uh, scenario. And of course, you know, if you if you read his um, uh, speech for his inauguration this earlier this week, it it sounds like a guy running for president. Uh, in fact, when I read the speech the first time, I didn't see it live. Uh, it could have been a speech written by John McCain almost. I mean, it, it was huh. that kind of uplifting, inspirational. Uh, I think he's hitting a tone that people care about because, as as Josh said, the the clown show that's the House of Representatives isn't going to breed any <laughs> candidates coming out of there. Yeah. Well, they did have cannons at the uh, at the inaugural. That's got to say something, Jeannie. I'll tell you what, though, Joe Biden loves the idea of running against Donald Trump. He really does think he's the one man who can beat him twice. What does he think about running against Ron DeSantis? Yeah, he probably wants Trump to keep calling him to sanctimonious and to yeah. strike him down and move on. You know, it's not something I think that Joe Biden would relish, that, you know, anybody except Trump is going to be a different ballgame for Joe Biden. But I think what, you know, Ron DeSantis's uh, speech and, and his his views and Josh's really smart piece, what is happening to the Republican Party? This is the party that used to be pro-business. Now it's anti-business. This is a party that used to be internationalist. Now big parts of it are isolated. Right. This is a party we are seeing live on the floor of the House attacking each other. So it's a party that is, you know, divorcing and dividing in all kinds of ways. And I think one big question is, can somebody like Ron DeSantis bring this party back together? I'm not so sure he has shown that especially outside of Florida, where he's still an unknown entity. So I think there's big questions hanging overhead, not to mention the fact getting out early on these presidential runs can be a problem. I mean, just ask somebody like Jeb Bush. You're going to be up. You'll get knocked down. And so he's got that to contend with. Not that he's an official candidate, but he is in many people's minds sort of the alternative to Donald Trump. And that may be a bit early for him to be out there. See if we get Ron DeSantis or just Ron exclamation point. Rick and Jeannie are back with us for some final thoughts as we tell you a little bit of something I want you to know about the clerk of the U.S. House who is still in charge. Still no speaker as we head for an 11th round. It's happening as we speak right here on Bloomberg. You know success when you see it or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. 
Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. A lot more talk of a deal as things get a bit later on in the day here now. Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes to win the 10th round, and we're just putting the final touches on that. Well, they are. As we keep an eye on the House, a lot of paperwork going on here. They'll read the tally in just a moment. The question is, do we go to an 11th round? And we may well. We're learning this in real time, just like you are. Or the talk of a deal. Bloomberg's Eric Wasson, as I mentioned, made it very clear. Tom Emmer's office is like Grand Central right now, hosting talks between dissidents and moderates. And now the team over at Punchbowl reporting that they have a deal. John Bresnahan reporting, in fact, that Ralph Norman, congressman, part of the Never Kevin crowd, says there's an agreement in writing. He's been asked to look at it. Then again, we've heard about agreements before. Uh, Final thoughts from our panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, Jeannie, do you buy this? Do we have progress here? Are we having a different conversation tomorrow? I'm forced for my friend Rick Davis to say I am mildly optimistic. Okay. I'm really not. But I figure they got to get a deal at some point, right? So, you know, it's going to it's gonna happen at some point. Let's hope it's in writing. But gosh, what can it say that they don't lose a whole bunch of people along the way? I can't imagine at this point. Well, that's a good question, Rick. What do you think? Uh, what's our overnight going to look like? Are we talking about some real votes by tomorrow where, where Kevin McCarthy actually knows the outcome? Yeah, part of what I'm hearing is they may stay in tonight and uh, try and get all this done so that they can uh, start a day of business tomorrow and, and, and head home for the weekend. So uh, that certainly would be typical, you know, of the House. Oh, yeah. But look, I mean, it, it, I think that, that if there is one thing that has worked this week is uh, the McCarthy team has kept any other candidate from becoming a option uh, inside this deal. And mm-hmm. so the renegades have had to deal, you know, had to basically place their votes on people who didn't even want them and, 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 and never really, uh, were able to, to grow that, that situation. So whatever deal struck is going to be based on the fact that they can sell it to the balance of the caucus, the other 200 who haven't been uh, straying away from McCarthy. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think there'd be a backlash and that all of a sudden you're, you're going to have more people peeling off. Um, yes, right. I think people at this stage are ready to have McCarthy become speaker and they're, they're prepared to sign on the dotted line. The fact that this is in writing means that the negotiations have ended and now they're just pencil mm-hmm. whipping this thing. Amazing stuff. We're going to let you know as soon as this becomes reality. And again, this could come late in the night tomorrow. We don't know, but I'd like to get back to where we started this hour. And that is with the clerk of the U.S. House. No member elect having received the majority of the votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. Her name is Cheryl Johnson, and she's the person who's been presiding over this whole exercise while the House waits for leadership. And this is a public servant you should know about. We talk about the Pauls all day long. She's had this job for almost four years. So, yes, she was there on January 6th. 
led House impeachment managers as they carried articles of impeachment against Donald Trump twice. It's from New Orleans. Went to school for journalism. University of Iowa has a law degree from Howard University and was in fact at one time director of the Smithsonian's Office of Government Relations. She's been around town for a number of years and in the middle of this right now. Uh, Jeannie, this is a person who should be a household name. That's right. First time in history, a black woman in charge of the House. She was a historic choice by Nancy Pelosi, and she's done a magnificent job at a really tough time in the House. What do you think, Rick? These are the people that really actually make the gears turn in Washington. Yeah, I I wish there were more Cheryl Johnsons who were well known to the public. Uh, It could improve maybe the public's view of of government service, which I still contend is is one of the greatest ways you can serve your country is by getting elected and becoming a professional staff member and Hmm. participating in the political process. So just because we've been ridiculing everybody for the last three days um, doesn't mean it isn't important. And Cheryl Johnson has done a miraculous job with no rules and no leadership and and, and all uh, member Relax. So kudos to you, Cheryl. Jeannie Shanzano. And yes, thank you, Cheryl Johnson. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.